Welcome to One Life Online, a podcast that brings you the weekly sermons at One Life Church, Kampala. In this episode, we listen to a sermon from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 66, titled, Filled with the Holy Spirit, presented by Martin Muchoki. As you listen to this message, may the Lord speak to you through His Word, by His Spirit, and cause you to walk according to His will by His grace. Luke chapter 1 um, is where I'll be preaching from today. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Luke chapter 1 from verse, um, from verse 39. Last Sunday we, we saw about the announcements of the two birds. The announcement of the birth of Jesus we also saw about the announcement of the birth of John and how angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and Elizabeth and told them that you will have a son and how Elizabeth had waited for that for many, many years, many decades even. Uh, we saw about the unbelief of Zechariah. We saw about the, the, the consequence of that unbelief in Zechariah not speaking. Um, until the day that the child will be born. We also saw the angel Gabriel who appeared to Mary, the virgin, and told her that she will be with child and what name she will give that child when the child is born. And we left at that from verse 38. We are still tracing the life of Christ in a synthetic manner. What happened that after that is detailed in verse 39, that at this time Mary arose and she went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah. Verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. We find that Mary is excited for Elizabeth. Immediately she learns from the angel that her infertile relative was now pregnant. She goes to see her. And here we see the heart of Mary. She had such a kind, loving heart. You know, she does not even stop to ponder the situation. She's just so excited for Elizabeth. She must run and see Elizabeth. She thinks of her. And she did not run there because she knew Elizabeth's son would be the forerunner to Jesus. I mean, there is no indication um, that she had that information. She was simply glad to see the mercy and the work of God uh, in the life of her friend Elizabeth, who had waited so long to have a child, who had desired a child for so many years. She was excited about someone that, that she loved. And we see that in verse 40 and 41, she entered the house of Zechariah, and she greeted Elizabeth, almost to indicate she passed Zechariah, and she just was excited to see Elizabeth and to talk with Elizabeth. And verse 41, Elizabeth had Mary's greeting. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 41. Now, we were previously told that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. At the voice of Mary's greeting, John leaps while he is in the womb. You know, if you 
for the mothers who have carried children, you know the baby likes to kick and, and play when he's in the womb, right? And you feel that and you're excited about it. And some dads are also excited about it, at least I was, just feeling the limbs of the baby stretching and all that. And hopefully if it's not a difficult pregnancy, there's even greater joy. If it's a difficult pregnancy, there's also joy because you feel my child is moving and, and you have hope that when that child will be born, all the pain will go away and you'll have the blessing of a life to take care of. Now here is um, John leaping in the womb of his mother. But this is an unusual kind of leaping. It is unusual because of what happens next. The baby leaps in her womb and the mother is filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, these were, these were no common pregnancy circumstances, were they? This was no usual coming together of two women who are, who are, who are carrying children. This is bigger than them. This is the direct, undeniable, miraculous, spirit-filled work of God himself. Very unusual circumstances, yet very beautiful. And so she cried out, verse 42, with a loud voice after she was filled by the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, rather. She cried out with a loud voice. Now she's full of the Spirit. What is the result? She could not help but lift up her voice and bless the Lord. Out of the abundance of her heart, her mouth speaks. You know, when the Lord saves us from his wrath and against sin and sinners and from our sin, and he gives us a new life, we cannot help but lift up our voices unto him in worship and in praise of what he has done. We cannot help but, but bless the Lord and exalt the Lord. When his spirit indwells us, when his spirit abides inside of us, when he seals us with his Holy Spirit, we cannot help but express our joy and our gladness at what he has done. You probably remember your first days after the Lord had saved you and how excited you were. And how you felt you could take on the world. And how you felt there was no barrier in your life. And how you wanted to tell everyone that you met about this man who has saved you. About this God who has given you a new heart and has transformed you and has renewed your mind. And you are excited about the glories of heaven. And we were singing that song, How Great Thou Art. At the end it says, one day I will bow in humble adoration. We couldn't help but worship from the abundance of our hearts. As we progress in obedience to God and in holiness, killing sin, being renewed inwardly, we are filled more and more with the Spirit of God. As we read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine. And the idea is what? When someone is drunk with wine, the wine controls them and directs them and leads them and affects how they move and, and what they say. But here we are being told the person who is supposed to fill us, to direct us, to lead us, to affect what we say and how we say it and how we live our life is the Holy Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. John was filled with the Spirit. And the spiritual consequence of that is that we live in praise. Is that we walk in worship. 
Remember, worship is not only songs. We speak God's goodness. Elizabeth was filled by the Spirit and spoke good of Mary. And spoke good of Mary. Listen to this in verse 42 and verse 43. Blessed are you among women. We are taking all the women collectively, and Mary, you are most blessed among them all. Not only that, but blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? It's what Elizabeth says. You know, during uh, Christmas time, we get so caught up in the whole story of baby Jesus, we forget that even when he was in the womb, he was God. See how Elizabeth addresses her, the mother of my Lord, my Lord, a baby, my master, my king, the one who controls my destiny. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And the mother of my Lord would come to me. How has it happened? What favor the Lord has bestowed upon me? And these words, the mother of my Lord, have been used by the church at Rome, which we call the Roman Catholic Church. They stole a beautiful word, Catholic. It means universal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it appears as though that is the only church. If you are there, you are outside the church. So it's the Roman Universal Church. Um, the Church of Rome take these words, mother of my Lord, to emphasize Mary instead of glorifying the Lord. And that is biblically incorrect. You know, it was neither Mary's design or choice to have this child. Mary was just about the life, going about his life, when the angel appeared to him. And the praise, therefore, is on Christ, not the mother. Thank God for the mother, but the praise is on Jesus, is on the baby. The focus is on the Lord, the Messiah, the King. And why does she say this, verse 44? Behold, she says, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Mary would not have known that because she's not the one who's carrying John. Right? And at this point, uh, Jesus is still very small in the womb. So he may probably not be able to live. Remember the promise of the angel in verse 14 of Luke chapter 1. That you will have joy and gladness, he told Zechariah and Elizabeth. You will have joy and gladness. That's the promise in verse 14. You, Elizabeth, and Zechariah will have joy. Now we see not only them, but the baby is also full of joy. Isn't that what verse 44 says? The baby lived in my womb for joy. The baby also has joy. Zechariah and Elizabeth have joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken by the Lord. Verse 45. Some people wonder why um, how Elizabeth knew about Mary's miraculous conception. How did she know? How did Elizabeth know? So that she says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment. How did she know that Mary believed? She was not there with Mary. So some people wonder about this miraculous conception, since there is no indication that, that Mary told Elizabeth, and the answer is simple, isn't it? that the Holy Spirit told her. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. The answer is right there in the scriptures. You know, scriptures explain the scriptures. Sometimes we look for answers outside. I don't understand this. Let me look for answers on Google. 
in commentaries and the likes. The answers are here, all of them. It just explains and says. And that's why we talk about reading the Bible in context, right? You read what comes before and what comes after. Because sometimes when you're left with a question and you don't know the answer, the answer may be in the next two verses. So read ahead a little bit more. Blessed is she who believed. Mary listened to the words of God through angel Gabriel, pondered them, and believed them. And we saw her response in verse 38, saying, Be it unto me according to your word. I am only the bond slave of the Lord. Blessed is the person who hears from the Lord and believes. Happy is the person who hears about the Lord and believes. We keep talking about doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. There are bits of that in our own lives. And there are times when it becomes hard to believe even the promises of God. Those are good times to pray. Like the man prayed in the Gospels, Lord, I believe. I really do believe. I believe you are God. I believe you sent your son Jesus. I believe he has saved me. But help my unbelief. Just circumstances around me are causing me to feel like I don't believe. Help my unbelief. And such a sincere, genuine prayer, the Lord will answer. Because it's not always rosy in the Christian life, isn't it? There are times you feel forsaken, deserted. You feel like there's a darkness around you and the Lord is away. And the Lord, sometimes you pray and he seems to have blocked his ears from hearing the prayers. And you're wondering, where is the Lord I feel like I'm no longer going to believe in him. Lord, I believe. I know that because the spirit of God is in me. Help my unbelief. Blessed is she. Blessed is he who believes what God says. Having listened to these kind words of Elizabeth, Mary was so full of joy that, he, that she pours out her heart unto God, verse 46. You see there Mary saying, so she opens up her heart after listening to what God has said through Elizabeth and how she talks. And her doc doxology contains two parts, an expression and the reason for it. Two expressions actually and several reasons under each expression. Expression number one is an expression of and from the abundance of her heart. Maybe you can say she burst out with praise and you can call this expression praise from the abundance of her heart and of the abundance of her heart. Verse 46 and 47, Mary said, my soul, it exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. We let that tension first, Nini. Maybe it's my phone and I'm saying that. My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. It's what comes from her heart. It is an expression of praise. And then the reason for the expression of the abundance of her heart is there in verse 48 and verse 49. For God has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. You see that? He has had regard. I was nobody. I did not deserve this. I did not ask for it. It's not because I gave a lot. I was very faithful to the Lord. I was so committed. It's not like I was the only Jewish woman 
It's not like I was the only virgin in the community, but God has had regard for the humble state, for the low state of his servant. For behold, from this time on, all generations will call me blessed. All generations will look at me and say, that woman was blessed by the Lord, is blessed by the Lord. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Not I have done great things for myself. Not that I am the center of it all as we sang. Not because of what I thought. But God himself has done great things for me. And so it's an expression of praise from a heart that is full. And then we find, secondly, an expression of and from the depths of her heart. An expression from the depths of her heart, of the depths of her heart. Some would even say this is worship. Why? Because the words that begin there are, and holy is his name. In verse 49, holy is his name. And it's almost how we begin every prayer, by an adoration. Having the sense that we are coming before God's presence. When you pray a prayer like this, our Father who art in heaven... What comes next after we address our prayer to the Father? Hallowed be thy name. You know, since we can't change that word holy into holy or something like that, it's hallowed. Your name is holy. So there is an aspect of, of worship, of adoration. And here Mary, in this second expression, says holy is his name. And then five reasons for this expression. First of all, verse 50, for his mercy on all who reverence him. This is why she's worshiping the Lord. For God's mercy on all who reverence God. And she says that his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him, who stand in awe of him, who reverence him. An expression for his ability to deal with the proud. God knows how to deal with the proud. We may not know. We may fail at it. We may be miserable at it. But because pride is an issue of the heart. And the only person who can change the heart is God. And God has the ability to change men and women's hearts. Mary worships him for his ability to deal with the proud. Verse 51, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. See where pride lies in the thoughts of our heart, of our affections, of our will. A third reason for this second expression is for his exaltation of the humble. Almost everywhere we read in the scriptures where the scriptures talk about pride, almost the next place we'll find humility. As if to say, avoid this, lay hold of this. Reject this, embrace this. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who are humble. Hey, these people were very, very big, yet the Lord brought them down. Yet I was nobody as Mary, I was just a humble... Even when we are reading the book of Luke, the covenant is there of Abraham, of David, or whatever he promised to do. We go all the way to Revelation. Things are yet to be fulfilled. But God still says, I will fulfill it, and I will do it. 
Who else can be this faithful except God himself? Even we can't be that faithful. Yesterday I and my wife were looking back at, at, at how we got married in 2008 and, and circumstances there. And some of the circumstances were, were very difficult. And some things, some people that we cared about um, deserted us. And some th people said some evil things because, you know, we were getting married at a young age. And um, many things were said at that time. But as we spoke for hours and hours, we could trace just one thing, the faithfulness of God all these years. So, God never abandons his people or his promises or his covenant. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. And we are like, look at Israel. I mean, these people were almost continuously and consistently rebellious. If it were you, would you not have just deserted them and said, ah, what's the point? But not God. Not God. In remembrance of his mercy, he does it. Verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. So she, she remained with Elizabeth until she gave birth to John. Because at this point, Elizabeth was six months pregnant. And when the baby was born, Mary was now three months pregnant. And she, she returns to her own home. And she stayed there, likely helping Elizabeth, conversing, in continual praise and worship and adoration of God, thinking about how blessed they were from God. But yes, even the practical aspect of helping, because at six months of a pregnancy, it's really, really far gone, and the woman may not be able to do everything like she used to all those months before. And Mary is very kind to stay, and very loving and very compassionate to stay and help Elizabeth. Again, we see the kindness and the love of Mary. Verse 57 to verse 66. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth. And she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy to her. And they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around them. And all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. 
No, there's a time for everything. It's a season for everything. And here we read in verse 57 that the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us that, isn't it? That there's a time for everything. In fact, just at the beginning in verse 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, it says there's a time to be born. And when that time comes, mothers and nurses will agree there is no turning back. You can't go back. This baby has to be born. There is, there is no holding it back. The time has come. After five children, I can tell you that is true. I have five reasons. So Elizabeth has to give birth, and she does. Notice two things from this text that I have read, verse 57 to verse 66. Notice, first of all, God's promise fulfilled. And then God's prophecy fulfilled. Two things. Or you can say God's promise delivered and God's prophecy fulfilled. God's promise delivered. She gave birth to what? A son. It is not included there because there are pages to fill. The Bible is very intentional. Verse 57. She gave birth to a son. Promise fulfilled. This birth was by Elizabeth. Not any other woman, as God promised. What happened? There was joy and gladness. There was joy and gladness, like we read last time, that when you have this baby, there'll be joy and gladness. Many rejoiced at his birth. See all the neighbors and all the relatives and all the people wondering about this child. See that the child was called John. John, not any other name, the mother and the father both said, the boy will be called John. And yet another was John being filled with the spirit while still in the womb. As linked by the baby leaping in the womb and the mother. Elizabeth was also filled by the spirit. God's promise is delivered. Then we see that God's prophecy is fulfilled. As we are reading this text, we find that Zechariah is still mute. And he was told, you will not be able to speak until the day. He's still mute. The prophecy is fulfilled. They made signs to him. And secondly, Zechariah's mouth is opened and his tongue is loosed. The angel had said, you will be silent until when? Until the day. The day had come. His day to start speaking again had come. This was that day. And God, whatever he said he will do, he actually fulfilled and delivered. You know, when politicians are going through a campaign period, they make promises. Promises. We will give you a new world. We will go and get... Saturn and Jupiter and give it to you, a new world. You don't have it. They promise big, big things, but then they deliver very little, isn't it? For the most part. A few of them deliver and thank God for them, but most make, especially in our sub-Saharan African countries, oh. But God always delivers. 
Sometimes a husband makes vows to his wife and doesn't always deliver on all those vows. Sometimes a wife makes vows to the husband and doesn't always deliver. But God will always deliver. Sometimes schools make promises to you as parents, isn't it? Or even children to parents or parents to children. I will do this, I'll do this, I'll do the other. But they don't always fulfill. But God always fulfills what he says. Always. I mean, without missing it even once. A few more thoughts from this portion that I've read. First of all, notice that you will notice that Abraham appears a lot, a lot in the gospel accounts. And he is key among the Jews because they came from him. Abraham is our father. The Jews protested. But also because it was to him that God made a Thank you for listening to God's Word today. Feel free to contact the pastor on phone at 705 581-369 or send an email to pastor at onelifechurch.ug or follow us on Facebook at One Life Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel at One Life Church Kampala, Uganda. One Life Church is a multicultural community of believers equipped to serve Christ's mission.